I'm Elizabeth Vincentilli. I write for New York Times, The New Yorker, and Newsday. I'm Terry Teachout, drama critic of The Wall Street Journal. And I'm Peter Marks, theater critic of The Washington Post. Welcome to episode 28 of Three on the Isle, a twice-monthly podcast from New York about theater in America. We're hosted by American Theater Magazine, a publication of the Theater Communications Group. We're back with you and all together in the same place. Yay! Yay. Our studio on Our studio on 8th Avenue, which is a hop and a skip from Times Square, that proximity has meaning today because we've got a special treat for this edition of Three on the Isle, a conversation with one of Broadway's most captivating leading ladies, a star for right now and for the future, Laura Benanti, currently appearing as Eliza Doolittle, in Lincoln Center Theater's hit revival of My Fair Lady. And because, let's face it, you do not care to hear from us when Laura Bonanti's in the studio, we're going <laughs> to dedicate... Very wisely so. <laughs> we did, we're going to dedicate most of the podcast to our chat with her, and we're going to look at her uh, career, which includes a Tony for her portrayal of Gypsy Rosalie in the 2008 revival of Gypsy, and she also had has Tony nominations for Swing. I forgot about that one, actually. Remember Swing? I remember Swing. Swing, Into the Woods, she was Cinderella. Hmm. Uh, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, and She Loves Me. Wow, uh, it's five-time Tony quite nominee. Quite a track record. Yeah, it is. Uh, she's also done like so many parts on TV that I can't even keep track. I mean, she's played everybody you can think of on TV. Uh, and we're going to ask her about the competing demands of stage and parenthood. She's been very uh, uh, outspoken about that on, on Twitter, where she is a, a very popular presence, much deservedly so. Uh, so, p- p- I mean, Peter, do you think we should ask her for her own picks, like in that crazy <laughs> career of hers? I mean, that is just nuts. Well, you know, uh, uh, she has her way, as many actors do, of getting their opinions across. <laughs> I'm not sure uh, that she'll want to share those uh, with uh, well, a podcast audience, but maybe, who knows we can ask her about what she thinks of other shows she's seen well actually you recently spent a whole day with, I did. With her. Can you I tell did. us a bit about that? Because that was a great article. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I spent two uh, performances backstage at My Fair Lady following around Laura uh, intensively for one and then sort of tangentially for the other as I sort of watched other things happening. So, and I watched everything from her prep to her, her, her curtain call from the wings. And it was a wonderful experience. It, that always is. It's you the know, best place to see a show, I swear. The, uh, it absolutely is. And, uh, you know, and obviously the advantage of knowing the show you know top to bottom helps a lot but I really uh, got a, a deeper understanding for the the lulls and the intensity of a performance the moments when uh, amazingly an actor can rest during a show can sort of come down and then re-energize for the stage that amazing transformation that happens from the wings to the stage that the kind of like acceleration of adrenaline that happens you can see them and then being composed and relaxed in those moments, actually, you know, finding yourself on stage without losing yourself. Because often I found, even um, when I first started even speaking before people, there's that sort of weird thing that can happen. You can get a little dizzy almost. You can get a little bit like taken with the, oh my God, I'm here talking to these people. I'm in this, you know, keeping focused and in that moment is an an extraordinary skill. Anyway, she told me some stories I can't repeat, unfortunately. <laughs> well, the good news is we don't have to speculate. She's right here. Exactly. So, Laura, from all of us to you, welcome. Laura, we're so excited. I cannot. We've been giggling like little girls. <laughs> what a bunch of fans. Oh, Just yay. Fans. Thank you. Uh, so, you're in my family right now. This I is am. your 11th Broadway show. Oh, yeah. Uh, none of them were musicals. 
You also did? <laughs> yes. I think you're saying something right there. I thought you said none of them at first, and I was like, you, <laughs> you have, have not done nine. your homework. Get, her, nine. To say, nine. get yeah. her to say SpongeBob. No, no, that's no, that's no, 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 no. Elizabeth's no. accent is a considerable part of the charm. Yes. I like it. Well, you know. So it started in 1998, yes. Sound of Music. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which I saw. I did not see that. And I reviewed it. Yes. He said, Laura Benanti is surely a star in the making. And I know that because it's on the poster that's in my grandma's house. Nice is work, it, is it, buddy. Is it I got really? it right. Yeah. I got it right. One time in my career, I got it right. <laughs> Many times. <laughs> oh, but I actually wanted to mention the two dramatic roles mm. in that in that, in that that great series of shows. Uh, one was in Steve Martin's Meadow Shower, mm-hmm. which I saw really late in the run, which I really loved. Thank you. Um, and uh, and then the other one was another show I loved uh, that I think also got short thrift was yeah. the Sarah Rule play in the next room in the next room mm-hmm. which was absolutely wonderful Thank and I'm you. sure both of the shows will be back. Yeah, term. I mean, at, in the next room was for Lincoln Center, mm-hmm. and so it ran the amount that it was supposed to run. Actually, Women on the Verge was through Lincoln Center as well. That's, oh, right. that's true. Um, so yeah, in the next room it got I I, I don't. I think the reviews were nice for that one. Women on the yeah. Verge did not fare so well, well, but I think part of the difficulty there is that you know we didn't go out of town. We rehearsed just a the the amount that you would rehearse for a revival. So we really didn't have time to take this sort of interesting, you know, Pedro Amadovar tone mm. and figure out how mm. to put it on Broadway in a way that was an, amenable to American audiences. I don't mm-hmm. see how you can do a musical that way. It was really hard. Yeah. I mean, in retrospect, I wish we had either gone out of town, had more time, or had a longer preview period because, you know, the the show that all of the critics saw, we had only put together on a Saturday matinee, and then everybody saw it Saturday night. So we had yeah. one pass at it. So everyone was essentially seeing our second show, wow. which is never good to begin with. No. And it was so by the time people came back to see the show as it was closing, they were like, "Oh my gosh, this feels like a different show." And and it really did feel like a different and show. It did really well gel. In London, I think, yeah, too. It did. It's yeah. going to be back. That's and I, that's part of the the maybe the great problem with what we do and how we do it. Of course, is is the nature of the preview period. We mm-hmm. are coming in too early. And we almost true. never have the luxury of coming back later in the run. Yeah. And on the rare occasions when I've been able to do that, yeah. it's an eye opener. It's yeah, that's so Even interesting. Even when you to loved me. it, it's an eye opener. And also, you all aren't seeing it on the same night. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's interesting to me. Like even with My Fair Lady, we've talked about this. Even with My Fair Lady, they were all but one really beautiful reviews, like really, really gorgeous. I didn't read them, but I heard, I actually read a the, sensible the mean woman. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I read the nasty one. And I thought, did he just see a completely different show? And then I thought, actually, maybe he did. Now, why did you read the nasty one? I, because I, I don't know that myself. I was really curious because a girl, my mother actually texted me, did you date this person? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Jokingly, she's where I get my sense of humor from. I am so googling this as soon as oh, we you get should. out of here. <laughs> and, be- and and I was just interested in it because it felt so like honestly very deeply misogynist mm. um and ageist and just and and was so different than what I understood the other reviews to uh-huh. be. Um that I was just curious. Um cuz you know what it is? I retweeted your tweets because I was like <laughs> He sees me. Um, and, and then I thought, well, I can't just do that. And so then I tweeted his bad review. As, as a, 
as a learning tool for young actors to say, not everybody's going to love you. So you know? don't read your reviews. That's what don't I always them. tell people. Yeah, because honestly, the good ones, actually, oh my gosh, this is a really funny story that involves you. So I, hope I, so. I she, read. She's pointing at Peter. I am. I'm pointing at him. So I, oh yeah, I forget. Um, after a sound of music, I was, you know, had just turned 19 years old, and you had said in your review that I was unaffectedly graceful. <laughs> and I was like walking, I was walking on stage being like, I'm unaffectedly graceful. And I fell. <laughs> I fell. And I was like, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. Got it, universe. That's, you feel that's, like, I having, that's like having the director say, you do that joke very well. Then you're done. Uh, yep, it's all you're over. You're totally You'll never done. Laugh yeah. again. But so basically, I wanted to use it as an example of not everybody's going to agree mm-hmm. because this is a subjective art form. Not everybody's going to love you. And also, if you believe the good ones, you have to believe the bad ones. That's what Andre Previn always used to yeah. say. Yeah. So you just, if you're going to choose to read them, you have to understand that it's somebody's opinion. And yeah. also, back to my original point in saying all this, is you all don't see the same show, this, even the same show on the same night. So yeah. who knows? Can, can we go back? Actually, you, you mentioned like, the issue of the, the preview time yeah. for I think Women it's on a the Verge. Thing. And... Uh, you had a very weird thing with my fair lady because you spent very little time with your co-star. I spent no time with him, Elizabeth. I met him briefly for 15 minutes in his dressing room before he went to shoot his this film. This is Harry Haddon Payton. Yeah, what? Harry Haddon Payton, which is not a real name. Um, <laughs> right? Nobody. Yeah, yes, not real. I have. I have one of those too. Well, yeah. no, you yeah. don't. His real name is Nobody Mitch believes in England. That's what they call him. Oh, oh, God. But it's, it's, it's almost Freddie Einsford Hill. I, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, so I met him for 15 minutes and then I rehearsed with the stage manager, our incredible stage manager, uh, Jen Ray Moore and our wonderful at the time assistant director, um, and Bart maybe two or three times, Bart but, shared but, the but you, Bart did, shared get, the you did get to work sure. with Bart. You weren't just working with the, uh, I worked. The only time I was able to work with Bart was when I was the only person. Cause he was doing Jen, to kill a mockingbird. He was doing to right. kill a mockingbird. So it was like from seven to nine downstairs and like the bowels of Can Lincoln I, but Center. By the way, I'm just so upset, but like every time you, I hear that title, I think it's a drag queen to kill a mockingbird. Oh yeah. No. It's, I'm it's sure it is. A drag queen I'm name. sure But anyway, yes. <laughs> but, um, but it, it, is there something, um, uh, freeing about having it to your to be, no. No. <laughs> no. no it's no. it's working in a vacuum mm. had you mm. seen the production I saw it one time once yes but did you see it during the rehearsal period knowing that you may go into it yes or not knowing okay. no I saw no, no I, I, I am a I, I have a large heart and I'm very empathetic but I was <laughs> was this is my dream part mm. so it would have mm. been really hard for me to see it mm. not right. knowing okay. I was going to do since it since when since childhood since I was four I, oh. My mother used to, I, I know it was four because it was before I went into kindergarten. And my mother used to um, put the record on and she would read me the insert. So I knew oh. the story of it. Um, and so, yeah, so to, to go back to what you were saying, I, I rehearsed honestly very little for the size of a role. Very rarely with Bart. And only when it was with Bart by myself and Jen. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on Thursdays and Fridays, I would come in during their understudy rehearsal and work on stage. But like, I didn't get my costumes. I I met Harry Haddon Payton, tried on my costumes for the first time, and did my quick changes for the first time 
when I went into the show. Oh Have you ever God. done anything like this? No. I replaced Rebecca Luker in Sound of Music, but I had right. been in the ensemble and understudying her for a year. So right. ev- I knew everyone. It was in my bones. I had been right. rehearsing every Thursday and Friday for a whole year. Um, they gave me a tremendous amount of rehearsal with the company, and, and I had gone on for two weeks for her when she went on vacation. So when I, when I took over, it felt very seamless. This, I had no idea this was going to be this way. So what was that first performance like? Yes. How did it feel when you stepped out? You know what? I'm so grateful for my 21 years of experience mm-hmm. because it's going to make me cry. So, you know, I've wanted to play this role since I was four years old. So my mother was in the audience. My The first performance? Yeah. My husband was there. My dad, my, you know, my parents were there. My, my closest friends were there. Wow. And... You know, you have I have that moment where I walk out and I have my back to the audience, and then the oh. turntable turns and I'm facing, and I and the, everyone was applauding so much, and <laughs> and I burst into tears. You know, wow. and it, was that appropriate? No, you, you <laughs> bet but, it was. But I mean, you bet yeah, it was. I just I couldn't believe that I was getting to do this thing that I have wanted to do for so long, and that I was getting to do it in front of people who loved me so, so much. So you could be in that moment. I was totally in that about moment. being to present. Me. It's like it's, yeah. yeah, that's the gift of being thirty-nine. And that is where I think what Bart has done is so spectacular. Lauren Ambrose was 41. I'm 39. Mm -hmm. These are women with life experience. Mm. So it's not a show about a young girl being molded by, you know, an older gentleman, which is kind of creepy ultimately. It's about a, a woman who is essentially utilizing her gifts to shape her own life at a time where that wasn't a thing that happened. Mm. And for me, all the nuances within this show and what it requires of you emotionally, I don't know if I could have done that at 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that what I bring to it now is so much richer than anything I could have done at that age. I Well, let's, uh, you, since you mentioned that you wanted to do this role mm-hmm. since you were four, I have been wanting to ask you about how you got started in your training, especially. Yeah. You, when I saw you in She Loves Me, I thought, there's somebody who's had classical training. My mother. Is that true? My mother. My mother is Did my... Did you consider a classical? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you Would you talk a little about that? Yeah, I mean, to be I honest... Mean, you nailed that C. Oh, thank you. Boom! That... <laughs> thank you. Yeah, my mother is a, is a singer, and she and both my mother and my father, Marty Vidnovic, they were, you know, actors. Marty's still an actor. And um, once my parents divorced when I was very young, I'm fine. Um... <laughs> <laughs> my mom gave up acting. She remarried my dad, Sal, who, and they raised me in New Jersey. And, um, you know, my mother stopped acting in order to raise myself and my sister in a way that felt meaningful to her. She didn't feel she could be the kind of mom she wanted to be. So, you know, I started studying with her when I was 11 years old. And she is a coloratura soprano. She mm. has the most glorious voice. She and I actually, as an aside, we're going to Naples, Florida on Sunday where my 94-year-old grandmother lives. And oh. she, my mother and I, oh. are doing a show together oh my God. in Naples. And my grandmother will be seeing my mom perform with the, for the first time in 36 oh, years. Wow. How wonderful. So it's pretty How amazing wonderful. that we get to do that together. But well, so you've got you've got Cunegonde jeans. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's in there for sure. And, you know, my dad, Marty, has such a glorious voice as well. But my mother trained me classically at the age of 11. I, I was not allowed to belt. 
You know, I wasn't allowed to belt until I was around 14. And then she really started working on the passaggio and 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 making sure I had one seamless voice. Because so, so she saw she built your voice. She saw you as a professional in the making right from the start. She, yes? I wanted, I mean, by the time I was five years old, I was asking for an agent. I wanted to be on Broadway. You know, I truly, I, I truly, I was like, this is what I meant to do. And she said, and absolutely. And when you're 18 years old, you are allowed to do that. Wow. But she said, if you truly want to do this, you need to take it seriously and you need to study. And she taught me every week. And um, were you in plays as a child? I was in my high school play. I was in I when I was 13 years old, I played Casilda in the Gondoliers at the Gilbert and Sullivan Society of Pequannock. <laughs> Pequannock. In Pequannock, New Jersey. I know Pequannock. Listen, yeah. those things take real singing. They do. Oh, Gilbert and Sullivan. I mean, at 13, awesome. I was doing real singing. Yeah. And yeah. And then I did, my next thing was at the Barn Theater in Montville, New Jersey. I played the mistress in Evita. And then Ooh. Cinderella and Into the Woods. Mm. Um, Perfect. Yeah, I mean, it was, I, I really, they were such a family to me. But, oh, so was there a point when you were thinking maybe opera? You know, I was so in, I was so obsessed with musical theater, mm. and I actually know that it the amount of training it would take to my voice is not naturally as resonant as I would need to be in order yeah. to be a true mm. operatic soprano. I could I do some operetta, sure, yeah. you know, but I am not arrogant enough to say that I would be able to sing. My friend Kate Mangiamelli is a is a soprano at the Met, and when we sing next to each other, it's laughable. Like I'm like my hair is you know, <laughs> blowing, blowing back, back. <laughs> wind tunnel. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I'm very curious, like w w what you say about like your very early love for Broadway, because you have done a lot of revivals of I classics. Have, yes. And was that a coincidence, or are you drawn to that because you have a, such an affinity for it? And that's tough because very like I think with a lot of performers, sometimes you're, or I am drawn out of it because the performance feel. Performance feels modern for mm -hmm. the part. If you see what I mean, yes. There's something c contemporary about yeah. some performances, but you really fit in into those classic. I'm an old parts. soul. You also you, know? you also sing them right. I think that's without, what it is. There's without that. all the contemporary scoopy stuff. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Is I was trained classically, mm -hmm. and as a soprano, there are certain roles that you're more right for than others. Right. And I honestly, I was I was born a 45 year old gay man, <laughs> so it's. <laughs> And as is With my two-year-old. Yeah, so it's, yeah. I was always drawn toward the more um, well-thought-out, emotional, I don't want to say sentimental because that's mm. not the case, but, you know, intellectual, mm -hmm. uh, Sondheim. You know, I could sing right. the entire score of Follies by the time I was 11 years old. <laughs> oh, my God. You're, you are a gay man. That's, that's really yeah. dangerous. Yeah. I was very popular. That's like pulling the pin Very, yeah. very popular. <laughs> Laura, I, I'm wondering about the sensation. You know, when you... When you deliver a song like Vanilla Ice Cream or I Could Have Danced All Night, what is the, what happens to you? Is there some... Joy. Is it, is it a completion? I mean, do you feel this, is it, is it, and does it happen every time? Yeah, it's joy. I mean, it's, for me, the resonance, as I feel it build up into my head, it's ecstatic. Mm. You know, just where the resonance is happening, it's what I imagine, like, drug addicts feel. Or dancers. And, and are yeah. you singing in character? Are you singing as Laura? I mean, no, a, I'm singing in character. You, because so, I always wonder about the, you know, the interplay between, you know, the the script and the and the and the songs. And sometimes, you know, you sometimes you don't, you know, they are usually written by two different people. Yeah. You have to integrate 
the 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 psyches of two different people who have who approach a, a musical in two, in from two different voices. Or yeah. Two different, so I always wonder if there's some something that's that becomes partly you. No, I think I mean something I pride myself in is I, I like to go seamlessly from word to song. I mm. think it's really important in a musical. A verse girl. Yeah. Yeah. Like Sinatra. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I to me the words are so important and that comes from listening to Sondheim. You know, and and he actually said to me when when I was doing Into um Into the Woods, he was like, "You have such a beautiful instrument, but the words are more important to me." Hmm. Um and so and that really stuck with me. You know, I I think what separates the the girls from the women in in musical theater is the ability to go seamlessly into a song because to me there's nothing mm. more distracting than watching someone gear up to sing right and you're watching yes. their technique right. and you're right. watching the muscle and you're seeing their I tension agree. immediately mm. i'm like are they okay right i never want the audience to think is that actress okay i want them to know that they i want them to go on the journey mm. you know so for me you know, what I actually love about Cabaret is I get to enter and embody the character during the song and then break that in between and talk to the audience And, and you, by that you mean Cabaret do... Yes, like Cabaret, I'm sorry, not, not the musical. Not yeah, the no, musical, yes. Cabaret yeah. performance. Cabaret yeah. performance, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious about that because I've seen your, your Cabaret uh, act a few times actually and I read somewhere that you had been writing songs of your own are you still doing that or I write what? you know look I wrote what? songs when I was like 21 and they're like very whiny white girl songs where it's just like my life is harder than your life you know it's like a lot of that um, and like the four chords that I knew on the piano and, and you're the like guitar. scratching on the guitar yeah. and so now like... I write comedy songs I like I write little oh. ditties that are you know on the ukulele or songs that are silly Would you know no, I was curious about actually what you were singing about Cabaret like breaking it down does it make it harder to like have to switch like that or not no, for me I, no? look I'm so weird like I, I I really enjoy the the old-fashioned arts you know I love musical theater mm -hmm. I unabashedly love musical theater and no one can convince me that it's not the most magical thing in the world I, I will fight them um I <laughs> love not in this room you I know exactly <laughs> but I love cabaret You know, mm -hmm. because I love communicating with people. I love talking to people. I love writing jokes. I love um, being improvisational. And I love connecting with people who love the things that I love. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so funny because Amy Schumer, who I did Meteor Shower with, she was like, why don't you do stand-up? Mm. And I said, because I have a very particular audience. And she was like, yeah, great. Right. So mm. do it. Put together 15 minutes. And I said, well, that's what I do in my cabaret. Mm. You know, it's to me, it's stand up in between embodying these really emotional songs. And I love that journey. And I think it makes mm. it really interesting. In does a small room. In a small room. Does, but does it, but does the, inter, does the yeah. entertainment business reward you for being versatile? I mean, no. if you don't yeah. stay in your, in your, um, in your lane. Is it hard yeah. for them yes. to convince them yes. that you've got other lanes you could try? I don't even think it's that. I think it's that because you're not clearly associated with one thing. You mm -hmm. know, if you are a type and you are that type all the time and you're really good at it, it's a much faster trajectory toward um, notoriety, you know, and I, I don't mean that in a, in a disparaging way. Mm -hmm. I mean, if there is an artist who sounds the same way all the time or right. or has a sort of a niche that right. they fall into really beautifully. Um, it's easier. I think it's easier to quantify them. Right. And it used to be challenging for me. Before, when I thought of it from my ego, 
in the sense of why am I not more successful in a mainstream way? And I took it personally. Hmm. When, it, when, when was when was that? I mean, Did I you, I still I still yeah. feel that way sometimes. I still feel like why is that person famous? And, and you're in the wrong business. Right, right. So like I started to a lean into the gratitude of I get to do what I love for a living I never wanted to be famous as a child I wanted to be on Broadway and I knew that there was a difference mm. and mm. so you know that's what I signed up for and then it happened so young that I started doing all these other things right. which was like a bonus because I was like I never thought I'd do that but back to my point of there were times and there still are times where I will look at someone and think man why you know, they are so easily recognizable, but mm -hmm. it's because they're pretty much always themselves. Mm -hmm. And now I try to take it as a compliment when somebody says to me, I didn't know that was you. Mm. You know, right. they, when, if they right. love me from Nashville, then they're like, oh wait, I didn't realize you were Melania or I didn't realize that was you on Sound of Music Live or I didn't right. even know you sang. That was, a, that felt like a, such a big breakthrough in a way. You got like such good yes. like, notes. The for, Sound of Music for Live was music a huge Live, Where you really ran away with it and I felt yeah. like finally. Yeah. Like, you know, and that's eyeballs, honestly. That's just right. the amount of people who can see you all at one time. Mm -hmm. It's not like that was the best work of my career. It was the work that the most people watched. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it comes down to. Well, there's right. also the issue of, you know, uh, there are people who are on Broadway, for example, who can really sing. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they really can't act. Yes. Right. And you feel the gap. You know, it goes yes. from, you know, in between songs, it's like, you know, it's like nothing's yeah. going on. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, you have distinguished yourself as someone who goes seamlessly, as you've described it, Thank from you. from creating a character to singing in character. Thank Those you. things really, you know, distinguish you. So when you play another kind of character like Melania. Yeah. I wonder if it it doesn't sort of like open up doors for people going, hey, she's not just a singer. She's actually a comedian. She's a comic actress. Yeah. Can we get her to, you know, does that not happen? No, I think it does for sure. I think, you know, I think with Melania, I think with Sound of Music Live, I think with some of the other TV things I've done, it's certainly in terms of like Los Angeles, Hollywood, whatever, mm. opened people up to the idea that I'm more than quote unquote just a singer, which I find so disgusting. I also <clears throat> do not like right. when people say I started in the theater. I started in the theater and I will right. finish in the theater. Like, right. I, right. I, right. what does right. that even mean? As if it's some trampoline that that you bounce off of and, right. and then all of a sudden you're it on the stratosphere. That, it means it's like that's the high school of show business yes. and you haven't graduated college and right. graduate school Meanwhile, yet. Meanwhile, the true artists know other actors are like, oh my God, I would love to be on Broadway. Like mm -hmm. they know what it takes. Mm. You, well, it, some of them do. Some of them some do. Some of them show up, and it's obvious that they didn't know. For sure. But I think yeah. that's true. But it's also financial. I mean, yes. Well, yes. Uh, it is a financial consideration. I mean, some people just you know don't want to work that hard for, for less money. It's one of the reasons why I started doing television, because I was like, I need to be able to work at the Roundabout and Lincoln Center, I, which are not-for-profit theaters in which mm. you don't make enough money in mm -hmm. the beginning it at all. It always startles civilians when they find out what people on Broadway actually make. I know. I know. My little my little um, cousin, my, my, my grown cousin's child is my goddaughter, and she texted me the other day, <laughs> are you rich? <laughs> <laughs> And I just That's back, so adorable. No. You just like a, a, a crying emoji. Exactly. But people, I think, do assume that it's like this lavish lifestyle. Meanwhile, I'm like, no. The reason I, not the only reason, because I do like to challenge myself mentally and emotionally, and, and I genuinely like doing TV and film, but um, 
you know, part of it is a financial consideration. Mm. I have a family and I need to make money. Right. Do you, um, have you worked with people that you, that were your own mentors or own sort of role models? Yes. Cheetah Rivera, Patty Lapone. Lapone in a couple of shows. Yeah. Lapone yeah. in two shows and a pilot that didn't end up going for what? CBS. Oh, oh what? really? What was that? What was it that? was called Open Books. And it was what? actually really funny. Where was that? It was a, it was a multicam pilot directed by Jimmy Burroughs, who is actually oh Maggie. Yeah, Jim, yeah wow. Maggie Burroughs, who was our assistant director. Um, that's her dad. Oh my our god! Our assistant director oh my at My Fair Lady. Really? Yeah. Well, that's a, they're an old theater family. Oh, totally. A. Burroughs. That's like yeah. Royal, like Jim, royalty. Jim Burroughs the royalty. Is like TV royalty. Yeah. And Maggie is so talented. You really? guys are going to hear a lot from her. She's a director and she's and remarkable. It didn't happen. Mm. Let's talk yeah, it about didn't go. Let's talk yeah, about can, directors. Well, what, can you tell yeah, us? Yeah, sure. No, wait, wait. I want to hear oh. more about that. that. So it was you and Patty Lapone? Me and Patty Lapone. And it was really funny. And it just didn't go. Some other thing that got canceled went. What, what was the, the premise? The premise was basically I played a book editor <laughs> who... Um, I'm in. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I'm in. But I think, honestly, it was a female lead at a time where that wasn't really a thing. Mm. And about books. Mm. And so people were like, <laughs> oh, no, thank you. What was Patty playing? My mother. <laughs> oh, wow. My narcissistic mother. Oh my it was really funny. Was that before I, I or after I can send that to you, actually. Yeah, it was after. Is. Okay. It was Very after. interesting. All right, yeah. let's talk yes. about directors. Okay, yes. great. I, I just started directing, so I'm really interested in the process, mm -hmm. and I'm wondering, what do you want from a director? What do you look mm -hmm. for when you go into the rehearsal room? What I, can they do best for you? I look for someone who is confident in the fact that they hired you, and so I look for someone who's patient, mm. organized, specific, um, who speaks to me respectfully and everyone respectfully, um, and who is really honest with me, but not in a brutal way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny, Arthur mm -hmm. Lawrence actually talks about this in his his book. You know, he was very cruel to me for the first two weeks of Gypsy, like flat out cruel, to the point where I said, I'm quit. Like, what, notorious one of the itself? most dreadful men in remarks. He was horrible to me. He was, he was horrible Like you were to me. doing things incorrectly? He was literally, at the table read, I think I said, like, good morning. And he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God. It's like, it's like Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, <laughs> it was really, really rough. And he, he called me the day that I quit and said, I spoke with Patty, and she told me that you're very sensitive. Oh, for God. No, but, I, but it was good. Jesus. And, oh. I, and I said, yes, I am sensitive. He said, I assumed you would be someone I have to break down. And I realized that you are actually someone I need to build up. And I said, that is true. I said, I, I don't know why you would think that you'd need to break me down, but I am very sensitive and I want to do well. And so if you just speak to me directly and kindly, I will I will get there and I will that do what you need. That is the most wow. illuminating thing that anybody who's worked with Lawrence ever told me. He and I yeah. to, remained very, very close to the day that he died. You know, and I, so after that, that was we were, he he became one. He was uh, wonderful to me. But what does that mean? Somebody feeling they have to break you down. That is the generation. That's Jer yeah. Jerome Robbins. That's Jer Arthur Lawrence. Robbins especially. Yeah, I mean, they really genuinely and honestly, weirdly, there is something to it. It takes the ego right, completely right, away. Right, right, right. Because if the ego is involved too much, you are not able to fully. You're not able to be permeable. Mm. And so. 
you know, I think he assumed that at that age, you know, 28, you know, and I'd done a bunch of shows and I'd been nominated for Tonys right. and maybe he thought I was all hot and all full of myself. Mm. And I didn't think that. I, I was nervous. I was eager. I had an, you know, I really wanted to do well. And once he understood that, he really helped me and he did help me as an actor. I think that was the moment that I truly became an actor. But isn't there the potential to completely, you know, destroy turn off someone. a person? That's, he yeah. did. That's why I said, I don't need this. Goodbye. Right. I don't, I, it was, you knew it was doing damage. It was going to hurt me. And, and he, when, so he switched and I appreciate that because not all people would do that. And you well, ended up liking him. I ended up a loving him. A short list there. I ended up loving because him. Because why? You won him over? We won each other over. Mm. He, mm. he, without, I don't want to tell tales out of school, but he ended up telling me some very personal mm. things about himself mm. that helped me understand why he was the way he was. He was deeply sensitive. He really was. And it, how he masked that was with bravado Cruel. and that's cruelty. Rob, that's Robbins too. Yeah. Attack is the best defense for, exactly. for a lot of... He ended up being truly wonderful. I said something to him one time because he was talking to me. This is after we loved each other. After the show was done and we were out to dinner and he said something to me and I said, man, if that's how you talk to someone you love, I would hate to see how you talk to someone you don't love. You know what's interesting about that? It's like in any other business, HR would have come in and there would have been a talking to him. Yeah. I mean, you can't well, behave that way in, in almost any other organizational setting. Only in the theater, I think, I'm thinking maybe I, I movie think, sets. But I think these things the are creative. Though. I mean, well, do you, you think this still applies? Yeah. Sure. This is a guy who came up right. in a whole That's exactly right. That's, I guess, the truth. Right. You're That's right. exactly right. And, right. I, and I think he... You know, I only I I want people listening to this to hear how much I loved him. Yes, of course. You know, but he was notoriously or famously um, he was irascible. Yeah, he was a difficult person who I saw so much good in, oh, but, and who ultimately mm. treated me with love and kindness and respect, and quite honestly, took away a lot of my bad habits. I was once in a actor. room mm. interviewing Lawrence and Sondheim Oof. together. Right. <laughs> and you would like, you would Attention, have thought, I yes, know. I mean, I, so there was like, you know, it was as if they were two, you know, mem like it was like, you know, Palestinians like and Israelis. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they when were. When matter meets anti-matter, the universe explodes. <laughs> so I do get that, the, you know, these things were forged in fire, you know, these relationships sometimes and that they carry that over to everybody else. Yeah. I just, you know, I think it was a different time period where, and, and, and to his credit at 90 years old, he was like, oh, you want me to change? Okay. And well, he did. Yeah. I think that wow. there's a lot to be said for that. There's a whole lot to be said. Yes, for that. yes, it yes. Really well, there's late. still like in, in certain parts, this idea of the, 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 the tyrannical genius, mm -hmm. you know, that because they're acting like assholes, basically. It means they're a genius. I have and a hard time with that. Still... I have a really hard time with that. I think, and I don't think it happens as much with women as it does with men. There is this sense of if you are talented enough, you can get away with anything. Mm. And I just don't think that's true. Right. You know, I um, think it's. And women directors, I find, do not act that way. Uh, most of them don't, yeah. I, I haven't run into one who did yet, anyway. I know one who did. When yeah. I followed mm -hmm. Laura around um, that day, one of the most interesting moments <laughs> oh, happened. Laura. There were a lot of great ones. Uh, it was really fun <laughs> to follow so fun. you. Oh, my God. I learned so much. It was I, so it, funny. On Sunday, I was like, I miss them. Oh. oh. <laughs> 
I love that. <laughs> that was that was really great. No, it was it was eye opening and uh, and a pleasure. So it was really I really appreciate your have letting Thank me you. do that. Thanks Laura. for doing it. One of the most you know, and Laura would went back at um, intermission and she was in full regalia. You know, she didn't get out of that gorgeous gown that you were in, right? You no, know, I got out and I got into my robe because I had to lay on the ground. Oh, that's what, that's right. Yeah. But you had your crown mm-hmm. on, I think. Yes, that your tiara. I always get my That's what on. it was. And then you laid out on the ground, you mm-hmm. flat out on the ground, and it was because you described it as a partly, uh, uh, this is the, 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 re- the residual effect of having broken, had a very, my neck. Yeah. broken your neck on, was it on stage? And into the woods, yeah. How did that affect your career? It was affected the- it in a major way. I mean, you can see the scar in the back of my neck. Wow. I mean, it's, oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it was really traumatizing for me, to be perfectly on, to be honest. I, did that happen wouldn't during it a performance? It did. Oh. Yeah. I, you know, I did it the first time I ever did it. You know, I was 21 years old. The first time I ever did it, I got up. And the crew guys ran out, and they were like, "No fucking way!" <laughs> like they were, because they were my buddies, right, you know. Sure. And I was like, "I don't think I can do that again." And I, it, how do I pull it, be politically correct about this? Um, it what didn't go over well that I wasn't going to do that. Mm. And I was young enough. I say people pleasing broke my neck because I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to be a team play- player. And I did it for nine months over and over again where I ran with the crown and heels on in the back of the stage, ran up a moving staircase, ran down the staircase oh, as it was right. moving, threw my arms back and landed on my stomach. Oh, I remember. And the audience was oh. like, oh, every time. And one night it just went wrong. Oh. And you know, what was really difficult is I got sent to a very specific doctor who looked at the MRIs and said, um, you have herniated discs, but just go to physical therapy and you'll be fine. Mm. And I went to physical therapy and I kept doing the show and I was in oh more and more God. pain. If you look at pictures of me from that time, I look like a completely different person. My neck, I was so swollen. My body swelled ah, up to protect ah. me because my neck was broken. Oh God! And it got so bad that I ended up having to leave the show and it was not handled with kindness. And it, it was my first... It was my first experience with going, oh, wow, people can be really awful. Mm. Um, and then I did not, and then I... Kind of like the show. I Yeah. I went into nine, and I was in rehearsals, and we were laying on the ground, and all of a sudden I said, I can't feel my body at all. Oh, my God. And Mary Stuart Masterson called her friend, who's a surgeon, and said, you have to see her immediately. And he looked at the MRIs and was like, you have to get surgery tomorrow. Wow. You will be paralyzed. Oh, my God. It was really bad. So I got surgery. I went back into the show three weeks later. (gasps) Three weeks? Like a moron. In retrospect, I should have absolutely said. that was pretty bad. It was bad. But I was 22. And I thought. Yeah, but you were good. I want to be in this. (laughs) I'm with Cheetah Rivera. (laughs) You know, I want to be in this show with Cheetah Rivera. You were good. And I was walking across these, like, plastic chairs that were soaking wet. Three weeks after, and in a neck brace off stage, then I would take my oh neck my brace God. off, go on stage, and oh. put it back on. You know, and then that Showbiz. set me back. And it wasn't until Gypsy where I was like, I still don't feel well. And now, hmm. now all of a sudden, I, I've developed an autoimmune disease, and I feel sick all the time. And, hmm. you know, I was just constantly miserable. And the I went to a different surgeon, and he was like, actually, that other surgery didn't go well. Wow. So I've had two surgeries on my spine. 
one right before I did Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown that finally healed me. But I still, I have myelopathy in my hands, which is, you know, 30% loss of dexterity and strength. Oh my God. I have to do physical therapy all the time. It is something that I will deal with every day for the rest of my life. And it was a real challenge for me. And it definitely affected my immune system because all my body was trying to do was keep me from being paralyzed. So I would get sick so much easier oh than other God. people, and which led to missing shows, which I never wanted to do ever. You know, I did so many shows in pain and vomiting and was sick. Uh, all and I can think about is this four-year-old who wanted nothing more than to be on that stage. But I'll tell you what, I don't regret, like, I regret not saying I'm not going to do that pratfall because that would have changed, honestly, the trajectory of my life mm -hmm. as just a human being. But I am so grateful for the career that I have. I'm so grateful to all of the people from the directors and, and stage managers and casting directors and castmates and my parents and teachers and most importantly, the audiences. I'm so grateful to all of those people for the life that I get to live. And that is, I say that with utter sincerity. Sure. So the difficulties that I have in my life, which no one goes through life without difficulty. Sure. Mm. It's, it's a good thing they don't put this in the instruction manual. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Right. Yeah, but I talk about it with young actors because mm. I want them to know that you can respectfully say, I cannot do that. Do you, do you think, um, you, you have a two-year-old, Ella, do. and I saw some wonderful <laughs> outtakes from your, on, on your phone. She's adorable oh, and, really and, and clearly you know, destined for something. Science. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, would you, if she said it for, Mommy, I want to be like She's you. She's already said... I want to sing on stage like mommy. <laughs> Would you encourage it? I will encourage her to do whatever she wants to do, but the, like my parents, I she's allowed to do it professionally when she's a grown-up, which yeah. is 18. You know, if she wants to sing on stage with me in something, fine. If she, you know, I did a, like a little video with her where you don't see her face for Lincoln Center, fine. Mm. But mm. but I don't want her to be a child growing up doing eight shows a week. I think it I think it is not, not a childhood, healthy. Is it's it? not it's a child. It's interesting no. because there are quite a few shows with children and i've wow. done a lot of shows and with children and i right. i see i see it's, where oh yeah it it is not a great thing you know it's mm, funny i love ballet i'm passionate about it and i would never encourage a child to go into it agreed it's mm. just not a life i agree i totally agree you know i think opera is a life you know you can sing opera mm. into your later years and mm -hmm. you can't start it as a child exactly so you so know the protection is built in. But, but, absolutely, but but I think you can also do that with, with musical theater. I think yes, the, di the absolutely. huge difference with Hollywood is that I think age is a little bit more elastic. Well, it depends. Mm. You know, if you have ah. a career predicated upon being beautiful, I think that is a challenge. Mm. But if you right. are just a fine actor, I think more and more we're seeing that you can that you can. There's stories right. uh, for people who are older, and I look at Rosemary oh. Harris, who is my daughter's best friend. And if you ask Ella, who her best friend is, oh. she says Rosemary. Oh my god! Oh. I'll show you guys a picture before I leave. It's I oh my god! Unbelievable. Oh. Um, when I when I asked Ella who she wanted to invite to her birthday party, she said Rosemary. <laughs> Wait, and the inference being, duh. Um, oh, that's great. But, that's so great. Yeah, I, I look at Rosemary. I look at Angela Lansbury. Mm. You know, I look at these wonderful actresses, and I think that's what I want to do. You know, I'm fortunate that I didn't have a career predicated on being beautiful. You know, it was I've always been sort of a character actress in the body of a soprano. 
you mm. know? So now more and more people I think are seeing what I have always been, which is like a funny weirdo <laughs> who also, I, I really do love taking on dramatic roles and I love the, I love the classical singing. I love it. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. the soubrette problem. You yeah. age out of the fuck. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And so I don't think I really have that because I made a point as I was growing out of being an ingenue to take on different roles. I made a concerted effort to do more comedies, to do straight plays, to do television, to diversify myself so that it wouldn't be all of a sudden like, oh, well, I, I guess I'm too old to be, to be Cinderella, so bye. You know, if I may say so, you also have very good bones. Thank and you. And they're going to serve you well. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. It's so funny. My sister and I were in... Um, in Delaware where our family has this house on the beach and we were at this like horrible club which I never go to but my sister convinced me and my sister was she's so adorable was getting like hit on by all these young guys and this like 85 year old man came up to me and says I'm sure you've heard this before but you have marvelous cheekbones (laughs) and I thought this is my this is it yeah this is my one of the great things about musical theater is, I mean, yeah. the roles are really written for women yeah. of all ages. Yeah. Absolutely. And I was saying that to my husband the other day. I was saying, I feel so grateful that I still have roles I want to play. Like, I can't wait to be able to do a little night music. I can't wait. I was thinking that. I can't wait to sing Send in the Clowns. I'm going to kill it. <laughs> You'll like, also be funny. Yeah. You'll be yeah. funny. Like, I can't wait to do that. I yes. can't wait to do... Um, oh God, there's, I mean, there's yeah, so many parts that I can't and, wait to and play. And it's at each stage. Unlike, you know, sometimes right. you feel like people fall out in in, in movies. Um, there's, you know, every every uh, decade. Yeah. There are parts for... I want to play every... Fosca. Uh, well, yeah. I've got to say, I've watched the a... video of you. <laughs> you know, I trick-or-treated as Fosca when I was you 15 did? years old with and my what? mom. Now, I was people out there okay. have to know that Fosca is the, is the main character there in is, Passion. There the is musical no Masana. reason it's not why the you most could, well-known. There's no reason why you couldn't do Fosca now. I would love to. I would. Well, there is, because they did that recent revival with Judy Kuhn. Judy yeah, Kuhn. that's true. Oh, right. We just but have to I, wait I, a little I mean, bit of somewhere. time. Yeah, I would absolutely love to do that. But no, I went, when I was in high school, when I was like 15 years old, and all of my friends <laughs> were, were going to parties and getting drunk, I trick-or-treated with my mother Dressed as Fosca, and when people opened the door, I would sing. Did you have like a Frida Kahlo look? Yes, sort of? I had the mole. The mole. I did it all. Right. That's well, why the I did that. Was really what, what's unibrow. that? I contribute to that. But that I was one performance. Not everybody plays Fosca with a mole. You were doing a very particular Fosca. Oh, My yeah. Fosca has a mole. Donna Murphy Fosca. And you yes. and you revived the mole. So I've got to say for I the did. listeners, there's this great. You've got to watch that. It's on YouTube. Hey, there's a, funny a great video, video of, of of Laura roaming Times Square dressed as Fosca and nobody knows who she is no. or who the character is. Yeah. It's pretty great. Uh, did, did you edit out some people that recognized you? Because like there was the, one guy who recognized me. Yeah. Literally He's one in, person actually, recognized yeah, me. The one at That's the end, it. right? Yeah. That's it was it. fantastic. It is one of the funniest things. It's also very self-deprecating also because That's you're also... That's my jam. I, I really <laughs> love the self-deprecation. We're talking about Sondheim. Earlier yeah. we talked about your being able to move seamlessly from acting to singing. And it strikes me that that is, in fact, a recipe for the perfect Sondheim performer. Yes. Mm. Because for me, the, one of the great problems with Sondheim productions is that vocally they tend to be undercast. Mm-hmm. And you do want them to be able to act. It's central to it. He's right. He'd be yeah. writing operas otherwise. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But they've got to be sung well because they're hard. Yeah. And they're music. Yeah. And I would like to see more Sondheim. 
from you. I would love to see more Sondheim for me. I hope I live to see you do liaisons, but... uh, You will. Of course you will. (laughs) You don't know how old I am. But it's also interesting that they're bringing over this, you know, um, that would, you know, be an interesting to see you do Bobby and Company. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would love... I I know... Who was the actress's name in England? Is it... I can't remember her name. I'm embarrassed to say... What is it? Rosie... Rosalie Craig. I've Rosalie. heard she's marvelous, and I know Patty loves her. But if for some reason she decides she wants to stay <laughs> in London, that is something I'd be you very interested in. You heard it here first. Yeah? You heard it here. But I think there. that there are. It's true. There are, and it is true. But you know, it's interesting, Terry, that Sondheim said to uh, uh, to Laura that the the lyrics are more important to him. Yeah, which well, they are. you know, so he's. You know, he's looking, he's, I mean, obviously, you know, the whole package here. I mean, don't get me wrong. He also would go up to people and be like, you were a quarter tone under. When I I see Sondheim shows done by opera companies, seven times out of ten, there's something wrong. Yeah. And that's what it is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Hmm. I mean, it's really, I think in order to have a perfect musical, you need somebody like Audra McDonald, who yes. is a tremendous vocalist and an incredible actor. You know, I think of her, I That's, think of Kristen Chenoweth, you know, I, these women who I just think are the real deal in the entire well, package. This is very high we, we bar would all, there. I think but, we would all but, say that yeah. you are that way too. Thank yes. you. That means a lot to me. Thanks. So, so you mentioned some of your like dream roles there. Are there any others, or uh, or are um, there any contemporary composers you like to work with? Yes, if someone. Yeah, was going I mean, to work- you know, I know Adam Gettle is is you know takes his sweet sweet time, but I think he <laughs> yeah. is really oh, remarkably but please talented. God, that would be. I really love him. I think he's so talented. Um, Todd Almond, who is mm. my collaborator in my um, in my cabaret oh, shows, right, right. he's a beautiful composer. I love Jason Robert Brown. I think he's really remarkable. Um, you know, getting someone to compose for a soprano is challenging in really? this day and age because mm. everybody is is you know the popular music of the day is pop music so yeah. it's it's more difficult to get people to write in a way that i love to sing mm. but the people the aforementioned people i think do that pretty beautifully i'm a huge fan of Shayna taub mm. me too Ooh, me man too. Me i too. think she is like did you see the uh, 12th special. night in the park yes, yes i was sobbing hysterically yeah yeah did you, you guys saw it did so todd almond and lear de besson began the public mm. works mm-hmm. and then Shayna took the baton you know right. she, she was passed the baton she's by she's working with uh elton john i know on uh, a devil sh- wears prod yeah oh. right yeah I'm probably too young. I'm in between. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, too yeah, old yeah. and I'm too young. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, tell, yeah. tell us. It vocally. Could still work. Yeah, exactly. What? Right, yeah, exactly. Why, you why could does do. she have to? She could. Yes, that's Miranda true. Miranda could be. Miranda could be. No. 37 Maybe. 37 you're kind or 40 right. for the benefit of all these people who yes, are, I hope are listening vocally speaking what is your perfect role what do you feel most comfortable saying this Eliza Doolittle mm. Eliza Doolittle you know she loves me into the woods um, you know these songs that require a true understanding of the lyric but also are very difficult. Yeah, you know, lays, it, it, lays pretty high. But, yeah, but the, that's what the 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 satisfying core of your pers- of your performance, Laura, is that it looks and feels effortless. The audience, mm-hmm. you feel that rare sensation of someone who is completely in their zone. Thank 
And I'm just saying it it put, it it does cast a spell on an audience because you 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 let go of all your uh, anxiety watching somebody who doesn't evince any anxiety about Boy, doing this. I know how that feels. Sometimes you're you're sitting on the aisle and you just get that frightened feeling yes. that something is going to go wrong. You're just, it's a pit you're, in your stomach. Because yeah. then you're, you're like, you're ahead of the person. You're yes. not with them. You're waiting for something yes. well, to happen. Especially, especially if there are vocal problems. Oh my gosh. Like my husband, wings. when sometimes when we've gone to see shows, he'll be like, sweetie, watch your face. Because I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 your face is like... My face you know, is like, oh God, are I know, they going to be okay? I can't hide it's, it either. It's really, yeah. It's yeah. really it's hard. hard. Yeah, yeah. But I will tell you what I want your listeners to understand is the thing that you just described, it's love. Mm. I love it. Mm. You know, this is not someone who's like, gotta go make the donuts. <laughs> like, no. I, no, I no, 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 I know. It. It's clear. You know, it's, I really do. It's clear. Right. It I, 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 I watched your Playboy Club because you were in it. Thanks, all three episodes. I know, right? And you know what? I feel like, I'm I've, so bummed about that because when that the, was the intention of the show was to have it be a story actually about my character sort of aging at 30 years old and being yes. told she's not sexy anymore and the difficulties and the sexism that these women had to face I, and then it got turned into like this horrible crime drama. I felt it should have Ugh. been on cable and done exactly about that. Like it, the show was almost ahead of its so time. So that's what it, it was. So Bob up. Greenblatt had been at Showtime and mm. so Chad Hodge, who was the writer, had it at Showtime with Bob and then when Bob moved to NBC, he brought it with him mm. and then it just got homogenized as things do on the television. Yeah. 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 Well, oh, do well. a play. Yeah, I, do a comedy. You know, I, you know what I really want to do. I really want to do a television show. Actually, Tommy Kale and I are working on a television show together <gasps> that I'm Ooh. really excited about about the theater. And um, I, I really about like backstage at a Broadway theater. And I'm very excited about that. I would a like. Series? Mm-hmm, I would like to have you know 13 episodes every season on TV with Tommy and our writer Rachel yes. Shuker. Where oh my God, Rachel Shuker is this, oh yeah, wow, that is a dream really team. Amazing. So I want that to happen. And then, so that'll be like four months out of the year we shoot that. And then the rest of the time, I want to do theater. I want to do plays. I want to do musicals. I want to do an operetta. But you know. Would you, you do know. like a Gilbert and Sullivan? Yeah, I oh my totally God, I would that. love to see it. I would that, love to, to be that. able to be the kind of mom I want to be, the oh wife I want to be, the friend, the child. Well, Gilbert and Sullivan and production. It would be really fun. Three on the I'm afraid I'm going to go to the grave yes, with three that. Productions is going to be producing. We're moving into that world. We're starting. We're going to start with a Bonanti season. Yeah. So you heard it here, you guys. This is a binding agreement. I'm looking at it. Have you done an encores? Yeah, yeah, I've done Which two. One? I know Which I've done three. Do? I did uh, my first was Wonderful Town with Donna Murphy. Oh my God, of course. Oh, 20 I saw years that. ago. I'm actually talking to them about maybe doing it with <gasps> me as Ruth 20 years later. Yes! yes. I think that'd be so Oh my fun. God, I'm so happy. That's great. Such a great part. All right, the uh, the I attendants know. are controlling Elizabeth. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm sorry, I know, I'm, I'm losing my I mind. I know who it's you such should a do part. a play by. Who? David Ives. Oh, I would love to do a play by David Ives. You'd be right on the money. I would love that. Yeah. I would absolutely love that. But yeah, I did that and I did Gypsy right and here, most happy fella. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I love encores. And Lyra de now is over there. I yes. Know. Know. In, uh, is she doing just off center or the? No, she's just in the summer. You know I one. don't know the answer to I that. I don't think it matters. Yeah, I'm not if sure. she's there, it's good. 
Well, I haven't been able to get back to see you in my fair lady, but I will do my damnedest. Please come. Take and when you come, let you. me know so you can come I'm taking Mrs. T with you. Oh, Are you okay. kidding? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. We're, we're all going back. Yeah, we're going back. We're yeah, all yeah, going yeah. back. Please right. come back. Well, we right. are so thrilled that you took the time, Laura. Oh, oh my God. We love and, this and have talk. been so forthcoming with us. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. my pleasure. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Oh, my pleasure. I, yeah, I, you guys have been so easy to talk to, and I appreciate all your questions and what fabulous listeners. Well, we're really monsters. From a genuine place. They're from a genuine place. Appreciate it. Uh, so we look forward to seeing you again and again and again. Yes, please. Laura, we can't thank you enough for stopping by to chat with us. You've now enshrined in our, you're now enshrined in our hearts and in our digital archive. Laura continues in My Fair Lady at the Vivian Beaumont through July 7th. So now, fellow Three on the Islers, let's do that other thing we do and talk about shows we've seen and want to say more about. Mr. Teachout. Well, downstairs from the Vivian Beaumont at the... Uh, the Mitzi Gaynor. The Mitzi Gaynor Theater. No, the Mitzi, the Mitzi Newhouse, Newhouse Theater. The, the, one of the two off-Broadway houses at Lincoln Center Theater. Uh, I just saw John Guare's new play, uh, Nantucket uh, Sleigh Ride. Um, it just occurred to me, now that, that Edward Albee and Horton Foote are dead, John Guare is really the dean of American theater. He is 81 He's one of the key figures of post-war American theater. He's still around. And in a business which rather tends to be a young person's game, he has written a new play. Um, and it's been quite a while since he's done a full-scale play. It's really that goes back to A Free Man of Color, which was some time ago. And when Laura was on, we were talking about the anxiety that we sometimes feel sitting on the aisle. And... I have to tell you that as I was sitting waiting for, uh, there's no curtain, but waiting for the curtain to go up on Guerra's new play, I could not help but ask myself, has he still got his fastball? And the sense of relief that I felt about five minutes into the show when I realized that he did, that he's written a play that is very much all of a piece with his earlier work, uh, the House of Blue Leaves, uh, Landscape of the Body, uh, Six Degrees, the place that had made him famous. It's that kind of play, except that it's an old age version of that kind of play. Mm. It's a play mm. It's a play about a man who wrote one play when young, which was quite successful, about which we hear quite a bit and which sounds like a John Guare play, and who, for reasons that become clear in the course of Nantucket's Sleigh Ride, dried up never wrote another play and became a businessman. And Nantucket Sleigh Ride is about what happened and why, and why a strange and totally unexpected encounter with two people from the past throws him back into his own past. So it's crazy, it's funny, it's a farce, uh, but it's that kind of dark farce where people die and terrible things happen, the quintessential Guerre play. You're laughing wildly one moment, and your jaw drops the next moment. And it's really, really good. It's really well performed. Uh, John Larroquette uh, is playing what I, I perhaps wrongly think of as the Guerre role in this play. Jerry Zachs is the director. He's, of course, very closely identified with, with the Guerre's past work. And it's a knockout. Uh, it is not, not all of my colleagues felt that way. <laughs> But I was delighted, absolutely delighted by it. And I have a feeling that although it does require a 10-person cast, 
that this is a play that's going to get done a lot in regional theater as mm. well. Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it I yet. Neither. I, no. Now I'm curious. It's, it's, now you I, made it's me. really. I, I think you're gonna you're gonna look at it and you're gonna say, he's telling us something. Mm. He's telling us what he wants us to know mm. at this moment in his life. Mm. Well, look forward to. I, actually, I, I I was scheduled to see it and then I realized I had mistakenly double booked a matinee, and so I had to move the queer play and the one I did see was the new Susan Laurie Parks play, which is called White Noise. Which is the one I had to skip. So. <laughs> At the public theater. And um, the, it is not a perfect play. Uh, there's big plot problems in terms of things that happen that make no sense. Right. But I really like the characters a lot. I think the characters in that show are very, very smartly thought through. Uh, even when things that make little sense happen to them or when they do things that make little sense and for some reason it really works and the show is three hours and 20 minutes or it was when i saw it and i was i thought it flew by have you seen it peter i have you have i have i thought i thought david diggs as the the main character you want to describe what happens right. in brief i thought it was a star making performance now oscar it, eustace is directing right? yes he's, he's back in the game again as a director mm-hmm. which is yet another reason to see it i suspect yeah it's actually i thought all four actors uh it's four actors playing two couples but the couples are let's say they're they're fluid couples uh mm-hmm. and uh i thought all four performances were absolutely Terrific! It's yes, it's David Diggs, uh, Zoe Winters, Thomas Sadowski, and Cheria Irving. And the central conceit is that. Well, I think I mean some people have been like, "Oh, you can't spell it." The central conceit oh, is okay. that. You don't want to give. No, I, th- I think we can because it is. It happens pretty fast in the play, and I think. Uh, the whole it, thing I mean, turns on it. The whole thing is such a key. You know, uh, the whole thing is that uh, David asked the Thomas Sadowski character to buy him a- as a slave for $89,000, which will cover, I think, his credit card bill and his student debt. And Tomas Sadowski, they're very good friends. They're very, very, very close friends. Um, and the Tomas Sadowski character is very hesitant at first, obviously, and then he does it to help his friend. Or that's how it starts, did at least. Did you think there was a homoerotic dimension to their relationship? No, I didn't think that at all. Did, did you think that? I did. Oh, interesting. I thought there was, because, and it was the one un, um, sort of... Uh, uh, no. uh, uh, explored relationship. Oh, no, I, that's funny. I did not think about that at all. For me, it was a very typical bro, but well, without the homoerotic. open all of these interesting shows in March and April? It's yes, I know, it is. I, know. I mean, yeah. and if it's, um, if it's, it's off brutal. Broadway, then you it's can't brutal. even use the Tony totally brutal. excuse. I was, I was completely with it. And even when my brain was saying, wait, this this makes no sense. Like not even talking about the central premise because I could actually see the, the David Diggs character is an artist. So I kind of bought it as him wanting to make an artistic statement. But then there's like details, plot details that were just... I thought, and I thought that there could have been some uh, some removing of subplot, romantic subplot mm. that um, would have actually helped define the, 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 the main element of the play more because that was the most interesting part of the play. I, I and agree. I think that we shied away from that for reasons I don't quite understand. I I agree. It feels it feels not quite finished, and it could be, which is unbelievable to serve a three and a half hour. But long it's play. one of those things you got to see. Absolutely, yeah, it a, is really, and they actually make use because the the two male characters became friends when they were on a bowling team, mm. and the show actually makes a really good use of 
a bowling alley setting hmm. uh, that I felt was very smart and it could have easily turned into a gimmick and mm. I thought it actually worked really well in the context my, my of... My curiosity is piqued. Well, I'll try to entice you with one other play, uh, guys. Uh, I saw in at the arena stage a new play uh, based on the life of John Quincy Adams, of all people, called <laughs> JQA. Immensely interesting historical figure. Yeah, well, and a real sort of one of those um, Zelig-like sort of people in 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 plain sight uh he knew everybody from george washington to abe lincoln served as one term as president and something like 10 terms in the house after he left the presidency the only the only president to have done that also was the son of john adams and in 10 very quick not quick but 10 brief scenes uh tracing everything from his as a nine-year-old to an 80-year-old we get glimpses of the impact of an of the country on him and him on the country and also a commentary very light this time thank god on our times you know everything is a commentary on our times blah 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 <laughs> but there are interesting um intimations of populism uh in in his encounter with with andrew jackson in the nascent sort of civil rights movement through frederick Douglass. all these things had their roots in, in a time that you wouldn't you'd be surprised to know how um, how much connection a playwright can draw to right now. Aaron Posner's the playwright. It's with Aaron it's done, Posner. Yes, Posner. who wrote who yeah. did Stupid Fucking Bird. And he and, has another show in town right now. Yes, unfortunately, I, that, um, I can't keep track anymore. Yes. Oh, life sucks. No, no, no. That's another one. Uh, yeah, he's got so many. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, it's played by four actors, and one of the interesting ideas, sort of obviously you know born of Hamilton, is that four actors. One African American, two women, uh, one woman of color. I think also two women, two people of color, and an older man or middle-aged man. They um, they play they each play Adams at a different point in his life, and it's done very elegantly and simply on a on a basically bare platform. I I thought it was a very very. It sounds uh, like another one that could have like a rich life in uh in like the, all over in the, the country. The, in the yes, absolutely. Well, I noticed we've all talked about things that we liked. Isn't that nice? Well, that's the, the beauty of March, maybe, is that it presents a bounty of, like, the be they put their best feet forward, many theaters. And the influence of having a very nice guest. Yes. yes. Ab oh, absolutely. Yes. She put us all at our ease. We're so mellow. On which agreeable note, I think we need to wrap it up. Our thanks to Laura Benanti and to all of you for listening. I am Terry Teachout. I'm Elizabeth Vincentelli. And I'm Peter Marks. Our producer is the always very Kirby Pate. You can follow us on Twitter at 3 on the Isle and write to us at 3 on the Isle at gmail.com. And please let us, let us know what other topics you'd like to hear on future episodes. We're going to get back to the mailbag in, a, in the next episode, but please do, do write. And don't forget to leave a most excellent review or rating, a five-star rating, obviously, on iTunes or Google Play. We will try to bring you more terrific guests, although this one is going to be a very hard act to follow. Indeed. In any case, we'll be with you again soon on the aisle.